411Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Hello, this is the 411Live. Real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. This is a video podcast series dealing with human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. We want to bring awareness to this issue and increase the discussion surrounding it. One of the risk factors for someone becoming a victim of sex trafficking is if they have sexual assault in their past, in their life. That makes them vulnerable. A sex trafficker will zero in on that vulnerability. Today, we have guests who are joining us to talk about five generations of sexual assault, and we're calling this generational molestation. The story is incredible. Um, I, I was about to say that some may find it a little difficult, but I think I don't think anyone should avoid listening to this story because it really really brings awareness and brings things home. And my guests are so willing to talk about this and reveal so many things. And I thank you both for doing that. We have a mother and daughter here. Um, Elizabeth Brown. Yes. That's the mom. Yes. And the daughter, Amashie Lee. Did yes. I say that right? Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, they are also authors. So we're going to get into their book too because – they are telling their story because they want to help other people, and I believe it will. So if you have questions, comments, um, ideas about future podcasts, send them our way because we want you to be definitely a part of this project and part of this conversation. We're going to get right in here because we have a lot to talk about. And when I was talking to you on the phone, I was just like, my mind was blown. It was yeah. just like, what? Yes. What? But this is happening. And your story is not unique. No. Although for me, you know, it's yeah. unique, but it's mm -hmm. happening. It's yes. happening. And because you guys are willing to share, more people will talk about it. And mm -hmm. you were talking about that silence. And yeah. that silence, that's a problem. The silence is the sickness of yeah. child molestation and also any trauma. Yeah. Um, I'm a believer that when you are violated at a young age, um, your violator takes your power because he takes your voice mm -hmm. or she takes your voice. Um, we are, as you stated earlier, five generations deep in my family of us surviving uh, molestation inside the family. Um, my grandmother was violated. Uh, my great-grandmother, my mother, myself, my daughter— and my little sister as well. Um, when I first came out with my first uh, book, I found out, I thought then that I was the third, but then my daughter came out um, with hers as well. And it was just, like you stated, mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Um, what's even more mind-blowing is to know that we suffered in silence, mm -hmm. um, that we shared a, what we would call a, a rites of passage that was passed down of being a strong black woman and 
living in our truth within ourselves. So I learned from my mother how to deal with it, not to deal with it. And what I didn't know that I had passed that on to my daughter because when I asked her why didn't she tell me, she stated that she wanted to be strong just like me. And if I could live with it and deal with it, then she could too. Wow. So. That broke your heart. Destroyed me. Mm. Because it's one of those things when you don't understand that your children don't do what you say, they do what they see you do. Mm-hmm. And that um, although all of those years that I put a smile on um, and pretended to be okay, um, I learned that my daughter also, from the time she was nine till she was 12 years old, she pretended to be okay for me. For you. And I pretended to be okay for my mother. Yeah. So that, yeah, kind of destroyed me. Let's talk about when you, what happened to you? Um, I was seven years old. Um, My older cousin, I think he was about 16 or 17. um, I looked up to him, role model, protector. Um, We went to my aunt's house to... It was a barbecue, basically. The, all the family would get together at my mother's oldest sister's house. And, you know, in black families, we get together. The kids go play. The parents get together. They drink. They, you know, right. converse. Uh, my cousin approached me to help him take a basket of clothes in the basement. And then he would give me a sneaker. I didn't know at that time that I was being given a sneaker and my my uh, innocence was going to be taken. But that's... A, Exactly what happened. Wow. Took me into the basement. What I didn't understand then, but I do understand now that there was grooming prior to that. Um, Where my grandmother would give him, because he was the older cousin, so, you know, she would give him candy and stuff like that to dispute among the kids. And he would give everybody equal pieces until... I was getting ready to walk away and he grabbed me and be like, you know, here, Liz, here go 10 extra pieces. That's our secret. Ah. And it went from that. If I could hold that secret of candy, then it was the secret of me allowing him to see my underwear and so on and so forth. Um, And I'm understanding that now as far as how the grooming plays along and how uh, stranger danger has no relevance here. That it's the people you love. It's the people you trust. The vampire is basically invited in. Right. It's the people that you trust. And I'm also understanding in my survival uh, today is that um, a child that's been touched will touch, but a child that's been taught will teach. So understanding mm. that um, by breaking our, our silence, we break the generational cycles right. that continue to perpetuate themselves. Because my mother did disclose to me um, at seven years old, me and my sisters, because I have three sisters, my mother had four daughters, mm-hmm. um, that she was molested. Um, but at seven years old, what is molest? So that's another reason why we started to write the Lizzie B. Busy B. books. Right. Um, to become familiar with the verbiage, uh, molestation, mm-hmm. what it is, what it looks like, um, how to follow the gut feeling. If it feels wrong, then it is wrong. Um, speaking the truth about the games that we play as children, hi, go get it, uh, house, doctor. These are also games that sets to start to per- perpetuate that cycle 
being silent and uh, playing those games amongst other children who has been touched as well. And so you become real laxed when it comes to the next step, which is someone taking you in the basement and asking you to take your clothes off. Yeah. That's kind of like grooming. Correct. Yeah. So your mom tells you at seven that she was molested. Yes. You don't really get it. No. Um, and and I guess she was telling you t- as a way of protecting you. Correct. Okay. She was she was telling me and my sisters as a way of protecting us, but it was never broken down um, in layman's terms of what molest was. She was just like I was molested by my brother. I, I didn't understand that at seven years old. Like, right. oh, okay, whatever that is. But and and the the same way that you know her uh, mechanism of how to protect us by telling us my mechanism for my daughter was to create this my monster, which was a man. Um, I would tell her, you know, did he touch you? He didn't go in the bathroom. Which so in her mind, she was ready to defend herself when it came man. to a man. And she was violated by a woman. So it was one of those things where we were trying to protect our children. Right. But it's not um, what you say is like how you say it. And it needs to be broken down in layman's terms for children to understand what it looks like, what it sounds like, and what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Magier, so your mom is talking to you. And what does she tell you about She's telling you, watch out for men or? Um, basically, so when I was two, my dad left and he came back and she like allowed me to go, you know, with him because he wanted to be back in my life. So like when I come back home, she'll ask me like, you know, did anybody touch you? Did your dad touch you? Like, you know, and as a kid, you know, you just like answering the questions because you want to like go play. Like, right. you know, ain't nobody touched me. Like, you know, can you stop asking me that? Like, but I felt like um, I honestly buried it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't feel like it was wrong. Like, but I didn't like, I didn't really realize I was touched until I was asked, like, even if it wasn't a boy, did somebody touch you? Mm-hmm. And then it was more of like, okay, yeah, somebody did. Like, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable about it, but it happens. And, you know, you can't stop doing what you got to do to make yourself a better person five years from now. So you got to, you know what I'm saying, keep it moving because it's like, you know, it's supposed to be normal, I guess. Like, it happens to everybody, but I didn't, think nothing of it. I ain't think nothing too big of it. So, okay. And how old were you? Um, she started at 9 and then it went all the way up until I was 12. And this was a older cousin too? Yes, it was an older cousin. What's with these cousins, right? As a survivor, um we have to understand that um if we're not stating it's wrong, then why would somebody stop? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just one of those things when we start to take accountability, when we start to break the chains of the shame, because a lot of us carry that shame and in our silence, the predators pray. So we have to be realistic with ourselves. So by by me owning that I was violated, now I can call out my violator mm-hmm. and then he can get help, but I can let go of the, the the chains of shame. I can break those chains. 
and also step into my light. And when you when you step into your light, you understand that the shame was never yours in the first place. Right. That was never your cross to carry. That was your violator's crucifixion for them to carry. So when you start to tell your story and start to live your truth, things start to kind of make sense. Because all of those years that I had downplayed it, uh, blamed myself, thought about how I was saving my mother and my sisters because if I told my dad he was going to kill my cousin and you know I mean being violated you thinking about everybody's safety but your own but yourself yeah yes Mm -hmm. and so um I tell people all the time um the first thing we have to do as survivors is give ourselves credit that we survived because that's that's the last thing we do Mm-hmm. You know, we blame ourselves for everything. But at the end of the day, when you start to understand that the only thing that you could have done, you did, which was survive. Right. And we survived that. So you were telling her, you were asking her questions when she w- went somewhere, you know, did somebody touch you? Yeah. Blah, blah, did blah, he? Did he? Mm-hmm. Now, did you tell her that you had been molested? No, I didn't because... You didn't tell her that. No. She didn't know that. I didn't even know that I had been molested. I didn't wow. figure out that I had been molested until I was 30. I was having a conversation with my uh, fiancé about a little girl that was violated. And he said something that triggered me. That the uncle that was violating this little girl gave her candy. And in that moment, it took me back. I could smell the basement. I remember the 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 ringer washer that was in the basement, how he took me in the back. Like in that moment, it all came rushing. Wow. But what I did know, I, I didn't understand the process, but um, I was such an angry child, you know, mm-hmm. and I never understood the method to my madness until I started everything started to come back to me. Why I was so violent in these relationships with men. Why I didn't, like, I would give a woman or a girl, like, 10 times, like, she could say and do whatever, because I'm like, girl, whatever, right? you know? But a man is like, no, I'm automatically on 10. I'm in his face. I'm trying to destroy something. And I never understood what that was. My mother had sent me to uh, anger management and all of these things. But now I realize now, uh, being 43, that that was my seven-year-old self mm-hmm. that had vowed never to be hurt by another man again in my life. So it was one of those things where it was like, what well, we have to understand as survivors too, if we don't uh, reveal and heal from our childhood traumas, that that child continues to show up. In times and places and spaces that will wind you up in jail or in prison and you Mm -hmm. don't understand why you're blacking out and why you're so angry. But that be your child. I didn't know that my adult self would be the person that would save the seven-year-old Liz. Yeah. But I was. Yeah, absolutely. Had to go back. You have to go back. And the way that I explain my story is like... um, being murdered before my time and um, always my spirit refusing to go to the light, my seven-year-old self refusing to leave because I never owned that she was violated. I never gave her credit. I never, you know, I was Mm -hmm. running from it, like didn't want her to be real. Right, right. But until I recognized that, uh, like, I would always go back to the scene of the crime And in these relationships, that scene of the crime would have me just being vicious. And so when I decided 
to speak my truth, then I was able to allow seven-year-old Liz to go to the light. She was able to be buried because we have to understand as survivors, you can't bury something that's not dead. My violation wasn't dead. Right, right. So I had to go back to her and, and okay her that it was all right, that I'm grown, I can I can take care of myself, that it was never her fault. She wasn't, she did all that she could do. And she then survived. she was able to go to the light mm-hmm. and allow me to, and my adult self, be who it was that I needed to be after I stripped away everything that I was trying to be for the world. I was a mother. I was a sister. You know, I was a neighbor. I was a co-worker. I was everything to everybody else, but I, I really never was anything to me. Wow. Okay. We're going to take a break. Much more to talk about. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. We will continue this story. We'll talk about the five generations, five generations of women who m- were molested in one family, but also in that same family, five predators. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. Who's ever wanted to be a pimp? The sad truth is, pimp is not all money and glamour. There's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, the screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money just so you can spend, have you no shame. They are people. People you are forcing to do as you tell them. Where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind. What if that was my child? My son? My daughter? You don't stop and think about them to you. They're a product, waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death. Because of what? Money? You'd be killed for money. Shame, you would go to prison. Give your life away for money. Not me. I'd rather give it for my family. Protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a pimp? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? For more information, visit the411live.org. Parents, it's time we opened our eyes to a huge issue happening right in front of our faces here in Milwaukee. That issue is sex trafficking. We might think this would never happen to us or even our friends and family, but it's actually closer than you think. Traffickers are targeting our youth and finding people who seem vulnerable. They do this just to take the innocence they have away from them. Sex trafficking is a non-stop growing issue in Milwaukee, and that's why we need to come together and get educated about sex trafficking. Let's keep our family, friends, and youth safe in Milwaukee and open our eyes to the signs of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I am here with Elizabeth Brown and her daughter, Amagie Lee. Um, they are talking about an incredible story. Uh, we titled this Generational Molestation because five generations of women were molested in one family yes. by relatives yes. in that family. Correct. So that's five generations Correct. of predators. predators. And vi- yeah. 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 That's an incredible, incredible story. And I don't think, you know, uh, when I sit back and I think about it when me and my daughter got together on how, you know, um, how everybody wants to be, you know, the victim and nobody wants to be the villain. But when, when you come to reality and the way that it dates back when I'm talking to my mom and, you know, the things that transpired with her and then my grandmother, even the stories of my great-grandmother, what was so sad is like we all had a story, but neither one of us wanted to tell. Yeah. 
So, you know, as, as we sit back and, and we get together now, the conversations are so deep because we have to understand that this so-called family heirloom that uh, was done in this house stays in this house, um, mm. that yep. uh, tattletales get their butt whooped, um, is how me and my daughter got together and decided to create the Lizzie B. Busy B. books saying it's okay to tell because I feel like, especially in our culture, um, we feel like certain things are common sense and common sense is not common mm-hmm. because I was never told it was okay. The tattletale got their butt whooped. The snitches got stitches, <laughs> you know? Right. Like uh, what was done in the house stayed in the house. Don't air the family's dirty laundry. Like it was uh, chains of shame. Yeah. You know, you didn't want certain people to know certain things, but in our silence, the predators are able to pray. And not only that, you don't understand that what's not spoken will be repeated. So five generations of that silence, of that sickness, it continued to perpetuate. And I was just so glad that uh, God chose me to be the generational breaker. Yeah. So with my daughter, because when we sit back and think about it, my great grandmother, um, you know, a- as a mother, when you carry your child in your womb for nine months, their emotions, their feelings are yours. So when when I sit back and thought about the fact that my great grandmother was violated, gave birth to my grandmother, mm-hmm. who also was violated, violated. Mm-hmm. carrying those energies, our children carried those energies and was birthed in this world broken. And wow. the energies we carry usually are the energies we draw. So when you st- when you understand that you're carrying this violation with you in silence that a predator picks up on that energy mm-hmm. because you're carrying a victim's energy. And then you find yourself in these relationships and you wonder why, like how are these people, how I keep winding up. Yeah. But if they're a predator, then you're like uh, blood in the water to a shark. That's good. They're drawn to you. Yes. Yeah. And so when we start to think about human sex trafficking, I hear everybody talking about human sex trafficking, but the foundation to the house of the human sex trafficking is a child that's been violated at home first, running away from that, and then come into contact with a predator that knows this child has been violated, knows how to groom her, know what to say, know what to do, and then there is the presence of money because this child has been violated in their homes for nothing. So now if she can get paid, why wouldn't she or why wouldn't he? Because Mm -hmm. now it makes sense. Somebody in my household was taking it for free, but I can use what it was that they was taking because now I'm in control and I know that they have to pay me. So it's easy for them to digest. And then that becomes, again, another learned behavior like everything else. And you become lax with it, unsensitized to it. Like my daughter stated, it becomes a norm. Wow. Amagier, let's go back to you. You were, you said nine? Mm-hmm. When you, so this is a female cousin yeah. who started touching you yeah. and molesting you until mm-hmm. you were like 12. Yeah. Um, that kind of triggers things in so many people's minds because they yes. think of them as a man. You, you know, not a woman. Correct. How did you process? So you didn't tell anybody. Mm-mm, no. 
just kept it to yourself. So, yeah. So when did when did when did it come? Up? She said thirty. I was thirty something. Thirty something. I don't exactly. No when. When did you reveal? Um. Well, I didn't tell my mom until I was eighteen, but I knew when I was twelve. She tried it again when I was twelve, and at this point, like I was angry. So it was a fight that happened, mm-hmm. and it was just more of me telling her, like, "You're not gonna keep doing this to me," and. After that, like I, I left the room, and I, it was like the family was around because it was a family gathering. Mm-hmm. I left the room, and I just, you know, I was being myself, like I was, like ain't nothing happened. And you know, now, like when I see her, it's more of the fact that I'm uncomfortable, and like I'm ready to like destroy everything around me. Um, I think the difference now is that like now that I'm 21, um, I actually, I'm actually sadly going down the same path as my mom. Um, I'm more angry than I was because I'm really like a real bubbly person, Uh like not really into like getting involved with people unless they want to get involved with me. And it's more of like, you know, I'm a light, but when I feel threatened, or I feel like somebody's just trying to have one up on me, I get angry. Mm-hmm. And I've never been this type of person before. So it's like, I'm dealing with it. But I feel like even in that moment, I felt bad for her because she was going through um, abuse. She was getting like beat on for little the things. The cousin. Yeah, the cousin. Mm-hmm. So... The nights before it would happen, like, you know, she'll get, you just hear glass breaking in the kitchen and cussing and she'll come in the room crying. And I feel like that's when she basically took my kindness for weakness. Because then, like, as she was crying, like, I'll just be like, it's okay. And in this house, I had to sleep in my cousin's room because my um aunt had a son and then it was the girl cousin. But it was plenty of times I was just like, no, I want to sleep. You know what I'm saying? In my cousin's room, my uh, older cousin, he was a boy. And she was like, no, you girls sleep in girls' room and, you know, boys sleep in boys' room. And I used to hate going in the room. But, like, I remember everything that happened. I remember really leaving my body when it happened and just wanting to go to sleep after. Um, And then I told my dad. Yeah, yeah, I told my dad. And my dad told me, like, you know, don't tell your mama because she ain't going to let you come back over. And that was that. So it was just like, okay, since since he's not protecting me. And I know if I tell my mama, like, I, you know, and my dad just came in my life. So I know if I tell my mama, I'm not coming back over. Like, my mama finna beat my daddy and everybody over here. (laughs) Literally. So I know (laughs) she ain't finna let me come back over here. So it was just like, okay, like. I'll, I'll deal with it because right. I want to be around my dad, even though, you know, he came out to be nothing. So it wasn't even worth it. But, yeah. Sacrificing. You was a kid. Right. Yeah, right. So. so you're in that process. Your mom said she had to go back as her adult self mm-hmm. to that that seven-year-old and heal her, mm-hmm. you know, get her to the mm-hmm. life, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. You haven't done that yet, have you? Well, I have because— um, so, yeah, when I, I was molested from 9 to 12, I was raped at 17. Um, I went to college and had a breakdown. I was so depressed. Oh. And um, 
I finally came out and told my mom, but I didn't feel better about it. So I did have to go back and had to realize, like, why was I so angry? Like, why did I hate myself so much? Why did I want to be this angry person that nobody can touch? Mm-hmm. And it was because I w- the chi that I was, it was like... People took advantage of her. They didn't take... They didn't take her or appreciate her. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate her. I hated her for so long because it was just like, you know, if you was this person that was untouchable, nobody can't mess with you, it would never happen. You blamed yourself. I did. I blamed myself a lot. I hated myself a lot. And I was doing things that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. But it was like this is going to heal the pain or at least, you know, like tame the pain mm-hmm. until I can come to grips with it. But recently I came to grips with it and I became so angry. I was, I've been, I've been lately been angry, not even just like with myself, like with people around me. Mm-hmm. And I know that it burns bridges. I do. So I know like, you know, I'm going to pay for it eventually, right, right. but I know I basically, I tell people after the effect that, you gon' like they have to have patience with me because I'm still dealing and I'm right. still healing with who I am and Absolutely. loving who I am. Cause I, this haircut ain't just come because <laughs> I wanted to try something new. <laughs> so yeah, I had I I'm dealing and I'm healing, but all I can really say is even through all the pain and all the hatred of myself, I always felt bad for them, mm-hmm. and I didn't never feel bad for myself. Like, wow. I always felt like I knew better, but I didn't because I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still healing, though. But you have a voice. Yeah. That's the big thing. Yes. You have a voice. Because you guys have, and we'll, you know, we've got two two of them. But mm-hmm. this is a series of books, right? A tr- uh, yeah. It's the trauma series of Lizzie B. the Busy B. books, and then we'll be creating the healing series. Right. So we walk through childhood traumas of uh, child molestation, human sex trafficking, um, a parent, an absentee parent, uh, incarcerated parent, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, what a black children should do when they come in contact with the police, um, depression, uh, abuse. So you're yeah. covering a lot of subjects. We are. I like this. Lizzie B, the busy B, it's okay to tell. Yes. And this one is Lizzie B, the busy B, I'm not for sale. Yes. So who did you guys collaborate? Did one write one and one? No, we collaborated on every last book. It was one of those things where, you know, if she come up with ideas and I come up with ideas, then we'll get together and then I'll go over what I had. We was because she was in college at the time, so I would send her the print or like the the word doc, and then she'll switch whatever, and then we'll collab on that, and then with the pictures, the illustrations, and everything, I would just okay those. But the overall, like having her thoughts and mine mm-hmm. into the book, um, we both it was a collab. This is great because this is at a kid's level. It is. But it's it's healing very, adults. It yeah. It's healing adults yes. because a lot of times as an adult, it be your child self. Like I didn't had so many parents that has got the book and and just broke down and went to crying and was like, if I had this when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know. And it's one of those things. I just really feel like 
as a people, we we have to get back to the ABCs and the one, two, threes of things. Everything is so educated. Everything is so advanced. But at the end of the day, when you are an adult, you have to tap into that child because that is the foundation of the adult that you are. So if you're able to heal that kid, um, uh, we're able to heal somebody else. And like with my daughter, with her, like she stated with what she's saying, because it's even deeper than what she stated because there were some points when you have someone of the same sex violate you, then that puts you in a whole nother realm of thinking, am I gay? You know, and she went through that stage uh, questioning her sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason we have to have those conversations with our children because what I'm learning, even in her rape, um, the guy that she was dating, he learned how to have sex through pornos. So when a woman in a porno is saying no, but at the end she winds up enjoying that, you know, you have to also understand that this child is only doing what he taught himself to do. What he thought was acceptable. Period. And so when we're not having real conversations, when we're not sitting down and breaking it down to our children, because a lot of parents that I speak with, like, you know, I just don't want my kid to be grown before their time. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that, you can either educate your children to be grown, to protect them, or not educate them and allow somebody to prey on them and they become physically grown. Because at seven years old, I knew what sex was. Physically grown, but stuck, period. In that child. Yes. Yes. And not being able to articulate certain things because you're dealing with it all on your own, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's one of those things, you know, like with my daughter with her process right now, you know, she's trying to battle the shadow because your shadow self shows up because it's like, okay, the light could, your your higher self couldn't do anything. So I'm going to come here and protect you. So you find yourself destroying things that you once loved because that's your lower self trying to protect your higher self. And then your original person that you were before the violation goes in hiding and then people start to see this monster that you were unable to tame because the lighter chi uh, was violated. And what I tell people all the time, bad things happen to good people all the time. And good people are capable of doing bad things. So we have to get to a point of understanding when you can come to grips with understanding the, the dynamic of where you came from. You understand that we all have been guilty of hurting someone, you know, because in my brokenness, I broke some people. Hurt people only know how to hurt people. Right. And when you start to heal, then you can start to heal people. But you first have to understand that if you you if you don't reveal it, you can't heal it. Wow. And a part of healing it is feeling it. And a lot of us want to skip the feel part, but there is no healing it if you don't feel it first. Wow. Jeez, it is a journey, isn't it? And you're still, you're on your journey, but you're helping so many people in the process. Yes. This, because you guys, you guys speak and talk to groups yeah, as well, we do. right? Yep. Um, um, little girls, uh, summer groups. We go to high schools and speak. Um, we actually did the Black Women Heal Day mm. where we went and spoke to, you know, other black women because a lot of us, what we don't understand is like a lot of us has been touched by this. And a lot of us have been told, uh, get over it 
or, you know, suck it up. There's no such thing as sucking it up. Yeah. It's going to seep out. Period. And and what's not dealt with <laughs> will continue to surface. Right. Right. This is a great tool for, you know, adults who have been through this. Yes. Help them with their trauma. But also... Um, adults who want to educate their kid, who don't, yes. they don't know how to have this conversation. Yes, it's an icebreaker. This helps them. Yes. Exactly. So how do they go about getting your book? Um, they're on Amazon. Um, all they have to do is like type in Lizzie B to Busy B because they're sold all over. Like when you go on to Amazon, they print them on, on demand um, and they ship them in a day or, mm-hmm. or two. Um, we in the process of trying to, the first thing we want to do is finish the series mm-hmm. and then, you know, we can start physically putting them in stores and locally. But right now the, the series not done because we have the trauma series will probably have 20, 20 books to okay. it right now. We have like 13, I think, um, with different traumas, childhood. Wow. But uh, I can't wait for the healing series because we have to understand that we are not the, the trauma. We the triumph. I like that. The rainbow after the rain. I like that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, you guys are going to have to come back again. (laughs) (laughs) We will. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for opening up, being so transparent, sharing your story and what you're doing with the books and going and speaking to groups and helping people on their healing process. Yes. And I mean, you guys kind of have a roadmap. We do. Yeah, we do a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. Of living your truth and how the sun still shines. You know, we ha- we have to uh, just motivate each other Absolutely. to live our truth. When you live your truth, uh, when you live your truth, everything else comes and it's able to grow. Because one thing I learned, too, like when we when you carrying all of this baggage, um, if I came to you and drop some gems, you so loaded already with stuff that really not even yours, you know? So when you release that, you're able to receive new things, you know? And to bring about change, you have to first release the pain. Yeah. So release the pain and bring about change. Release the pain. And bring about change. change. I like that. That's a good way to end. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Elizabeth Brown, (laughs) Amagier, Lee. I always hesitate. We we have a joke. (laughs) Can I say her name? (laughs) Uh, But it's beautiful. So thank Thank you you. again. Thank you for having us. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. We have many episodes. We invite you to check them out. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Our website is uh, the411live.org. We'd like to contribute and help us in our process to keep these conversations going. We really appreciate that. We're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and iHeartRadio Podcast. You can find us. Again, this is Beverly Taylor, The 411 Live. Real people, real talk.